welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. We're nine and three. Yes, we are. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. I never thought I'd see the day. I mean, we are nine but and But seriously, three. like that sounds like something you just say, yep. but like, I honestly don't know if I ever thought the Browns would be sitting at nine and three. No, I was sitting here yesterday after the game. I was like, we are nine and three. We are in the top spot of the wild card. 2020 is the best year ever. Like, this is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) This has been so great. Oh, I mean, seriously, imagine if it was a normal Browns year in the middle of all this. Think about how terrible that would be. Too much to bear. What a a bright spot we've been gifted. Oh, in 16 year. I mean, think about the Jets fans. What just happened to them against the Raiders? And, And they're in like Mecca of COVID right there. It's... It would be bad to be a Jets fan. Um, I did take a lot of enjoyment in the, the Jets. I took a lot of enjoyment out of the firing of Greg Williams in the aftermath of the defensive play call at the end of that game yesterday. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, best- that, it was the most quintessential Greg Williams call you've ever seen. He did it twice in a row. I, I saw some statistic about like uh, that that play had been done in like 800 something games and never had that many people been blitzed in that situation in all 800 times that's happened in an NFL game. Never has a team sent that many people. And he did it back to back. And he did it twice. Went cover zero. Hilarious. Somebody, (laughs) somebody, somebody tweeted. I was an ESPN personality, like either Mike Clay or somebody. Matt Clay's not tongue in cheek enough to have like said this. It was somebody, it was one of the ESPN personalities goes, if that was in fact Greg Williams' last defensive call in the NFL, I think he went out the way he wanted to go out. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. Who was it? I uh, I saw somebody tweet that that, uh, (laughs) Greg Williams went out playing football the way he loved taking unnecessary risks to <laughs> never winning games <laughs> doing all this stuff it really was just quintessential greg williams and i'm so thankful that we do not have him as our defensive coordinator making those calls we have uh, a great defensive coordinator that yep. put together a fantastic game plan in this particular game i mean at so we went off on an absolute tear to start that game like i've never seen before in the browns because it's actually never happened before going into halftime 38 to 7 uh as you guys know if you listen to the podcast enough we are from tennessee so we are living in nashville and uh this one was particularly sweet for me especially it was it was crazy to watch um i mean i spent all week like hedging trying not to like feel confident people would ask me left and right like oh what do you think's gonna happen we're titans are playing the browns this week it's like oh you know i think two really good teams i just like would be like you know whoever gets the most turnovers is probably gonna win and you know like i I think it's gonna be a good game like i was like i was not talking any trash because i knew that the titans are a good team and i felt like there was such a range of possibilities i didn't want to get that much more pissed off if the Browns didn't show up and boy, did the Browns show up? Like I expected Kevin Stefanski to kind of open up the playbook and not hold anything back. But I don't even think I imagined that we'd be able to execute to this degree that we were able to in the first half. And I feel like so much of it is the play call. I mean, the team looked dialed in and Stefanski knew had such a great feel for how to manage that game and every single thing he tried was it was like he had he had the he had the Midas Midas touch touch. i mean it was insane it's nice to be able to take advantage of a defense that is not playing well the titans do not have a good defense and for us to be able to have an offensive unit and an offensive coaching staff that can take advantage of what their opponent does not do well makes a huge difference yeah, I think everybody thought this was going to be two teams just like ramming the ball down each other's throats, like running the ball left and right. And the Browns came out on a handful of their early plays in empty sets. I mean, it was just awesome to see Stefanski clearly see a weakness, like you said, Matthew, and exploit it and trust our personnel to 
execute, you know, like trusting Baker Mayfield to be able to execute those passing plays and, and make the right reads and do what needed to be done in order to take advantage of the Titans. It was, it was, it was just great to see. And Baker, he did, I don't know if, if Baker's ever looked better than he did in this game. Well, yeah, he did more than what needed to be done. I mean, he had a ridiculous game. He's 25-33, 334 yards, four touchdowns in the first half. I mean, the only black stain on the game was his um, his intentional grounding call. I can't think of anything else that I would like. Which he somehow try always... Try to peel back. Somehow always gets one. But I... <laughs> I, I, I like the fact that he's throwing the ball away on a consistent basis instead of trying to make more of the play than is available to him. He's he, It feels like a step in the right direction, the fact that he's getting as many intentional groundings as he is. You know? It's, it's odd like, as that is. He's not taking those sacks. He's trying to throw it away. He just needs to like improve that throw away a little bit, and, and we'll get there at some point. The thing that was really encouraging to me was on all of those plays that we had in the first half, whether it was – you know, that throw to Jarvis in the back of the end zone that he put on a line. Um, everything was accurate throughout the entire day, but he didn't overthrow a lot of the throws. Like, if you think about, like, the Kendall Lamb throw, we've seen a few of those, like, easy gimme throws um, near the end zone where he's put too much on it. He's been a little too, like, his feet have been too happy, and, like, he clearly is just not comfortable making some of those throws and tries to get them off too quick. And that wasn't the case today, like or yesterday in the game. He put the right amount of touch on those kind of balls. You think yeah. about the Higgins throw, like was perfectly placed with the right amount. Of, like he didn't overthrow that. The DPJ ball couldn't have been any better on that go ball. I mean, like all of those throws were spot on. And the Higgins throw especially was a great, great NFL throw. You make that throw consistently. It's a dime. It's perfect, right in the bread basket. It was dirty, but that DPJ ball, like you said, that that's not easy to put perfect, especially when you know he's going to be wide open. He he just ripped it. I mean, he took it in confidence. He took it in stride. He didn't he didn't get too excited. He didn't gator arm it, like knowing that DPJ was going to be wide open. Yeah, it was a uh, it was an excellent performance, and I, I was more excited. I was so fed up last week and the week before, honestly, of people dogging Baker day in and day out. I think the most frustrated that I've been over the last two weeks is listening to people crap about him on Twitter and saying that we need to like let him go, find our next quarterback, find our quarterback for the future. And he's capable of doing those things. And the reason why his stat lines haven't been good is just game script. The games that we've been in, the weather situations that we've been in, and the fact that we have Nick effing Chubb in our backfield and we haven't needed to throw the ball. So why would we? Like, it's not like he has a terrible completion percentage. It's not like he's throwing a ton of interceptions. He's doing what's being asked of him. And this week, he was asked to do what he did. And he he did. It was fantastic. Yep. So what, I mean, we had a lot of, like, really big-time throws in that first half. Which plays are, were your favorite? Oh, by far, the Donovan People-Jones touchdown. Because at that point in the game, they had just driven down the field, and Ryan Tannehill had that amazing throw over the middle to A.J. Brown, where A.J. Brown caught it clean. There was that broken play where Ryan Tannehill scrolled, uh, rolled out to the right and threw it to uh, Corey Davis. And he Oh, it felt like the Titans were starting to get it play. together. It felt like they were starting to get some momentum. They It was like a four- or five-play drive where they just drove right down the field in an instant. And it was like, man, like, I think one of my friends texted me. was like, that was a really damn good drive. You got to admit that. And then right after he texted me that, we had one play, yeah. 80 yards or whatever it was. And I was like, well, that was a better one. <laughs> that, that, and that 17 was just, to 7 turns to 24 to 7 in a heartbeat. And it was just a perfect view of Kevin Stefanski's, like, prime, prime play calling. I mean, we had, like, 13-man personnel in, in that package. And, yeah. like, everything pointed to the fact that we were going to run the ball with Nick Chubb. And everyone on the offense and everyone in the stands thought that it was going to be a run. And then we run that play. That would have just been setting up for the entire season for that very moment. It was just fantastic. Matthew, what, what play is your favorite? Whew. I don't know if I have a play. I, my favorite was that drive. The drive that culminated in Higgins' um, touchdown just because it was it was steady it was measured we had 11 plays it was driving down the field controlling the clock uh hit hitting that bomb to gpj was great but 
at that point, we needed to burn clock and still keep our foot on the throttle. And being able to do that kind of just measured it consistently and just kind of go back to that well. I thought as a response to Tennessee kind of gaining some momentum was huge. Yeah, that was a good drive. The drive that I liked was the final drive before the end of the half that culminated in the Nick Chubb touchdown uh, because it felt like we had such a big lead. It would have been easy to play it like really conservatively. I mean, we were sitting at 31 to seven when we got that ball with about four or something left in the half, but they kept pushing it. They threw the ball right off the bat um, to start that drive. And we got a chunk play and just kind of consistently drove it down the field and put that ball in to make it 38 to seven going into the half, which was just huge, particularly given that Tennessee was going to be getting the ball at the beginning of the second half. From drive perspective, that was the one that stuck out to me. From a play perspective, I don't know why I liked it so much, um, but the third and two play where we uh, tossed it to Jarvis and then he he made the throw to to Baker and, and Baker, Baker made a ridiculous catch. Got both feet down. Got both feet down. It was it was just a fun play and then also somewhat hilarious that there was a roughing the passer. Uh, call on Jarvis Landry well, on that play. Well, I mean, it was. <laughs> I mean, you don't think about the fact that you can rough the passer no matter who he is, even if it's a receiver. But that would have been like they they would have publicly executed that person if it was against Tom Brady, and it was that hit. It was it was a violent hit. I mean, the NFL would have had a conniption. The best part of that is Jarvis is like proud of it. You know, he's like. He's like super, super happy to take that. Jarvis has an incredible completion percentage. <laughs> I think he's like three for three or something on the year. It's good stuff. I think they asked him in an interview. I think it was Pat McAfee was interviewing him the other day. He was like, Jarvis, if the same thing that happened to the Broncos happened to the Browns, are you trotting out there? Are you the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns that week? And he's like, you betcha. <laughs> <laughs> Jarvis like, Absolutely. I am. It'd be a fun week. I would like to watch it. We'd be in a better situation than the Broncos were. We'd be so mad if he was not. Shoulder tap. Yeah. So we talked mostly about offensive plays, but also more than almost any other turnover the entire year, the Derrick Henry fumble was just made me so happy. I mean, the script of that game in the first half, yeah. in the first quarter, just worked out perfectly. I mean, we, now, I guess not perfectly. Um, if Donovan Peoples Jones had caught that pass for the touchdown on the first drive, that would have um, added to things. I mean, honestly, Baker should have had five touchdown passes in the first half. Yep. Uh, we had to settle for the field goal. Titans get the ball back, dry, start driving, get to like midfield, just a little past midfield, and then aren't able to convert on that fourth down, which I think the refs helped uh, us a little bit, to be perfectly honest. Um, they did convert, if I had to guess, <laughs> which was super fortunate. But there was that, and then their next offensive possession was the Derrick Henry fumble, and so that put us in a position to just get ahead. And we were up seventeen nothing after all that. And with the Titans, particularly, it takes what they like to do out of the equation, running the ball with Derrick Henry, so put us in a great place. Um, but even further down the line, <laughs> you know, they scored their second touchdown and then went for two. I guess that was at the beginning of the second half. And then we stonewalled Henry on that two-point conversion. Goodson made that phenomenal tackle, like, on the one-yard line. And it just, I mean, it felt really good to, like, watch that play and watch the defense step up and and make a stop there. Um, I mean, especially because it was Derrick Henry. To, like, tackle anybody that way is exciting yeah. on a two-point conversion. But, yeah, yeah. What were you going to say, Matthew? I was going to say, did the Browns deserve like a, a favorable spot on, on for a first down on fourth down after last week? I mean, I agree with you. I, I watched it not live and even watching the replay. Like I felt like the Titans had converted that had gained enough yardage, but watching that chain pull and pull past that, that football, it, it kind of felt like vindication. A little I bit. mean, when I saw the gap, I was ready for them to call it first down. Yeah, I was like, wait yeah. a minute, that it has to go against the Browns, no matter what what the case is here, right? Isn't that how this goes? Um, it, no, that it was a huge call. It was a huge, huge call. Um, and Browns took advantage. I mean, it's what you got to do. Yeah, 
And I mean, isn't it funny that the whole game was in no way the way all the experts were prescribing it to be as far as a run-heavy game? Both teams were just passing the ball all over the place. I mean, Ryan Tannehill had 389 yards. He had more than Baker. Which is a result of being down by so much he at had the end to of the game. Yeah, but we had to give a little soft coverage. Gave him, gave him options. Nevertheless, it was very, very fun. Um, and then the second half, uh, it looked entirely different. Um, what would you say about that, Michael? Um, you you can't be stupid whenever you're up thirty-eight to seven. I mean, you're up. By 31 points, your goal in the second half is to chew clock, drive the ball. You don't want to be like entirely conservative, but the number one objective is chewing time off the clock. I mean, the game is in your hands. Do not turn the football over and get as many first downs as you can without doing anything ridiculous. And, um, and we were running the ball, and then we threw the ball when we had to. And we had the opportunity to complete first downs that our players dropped. Jarvis uh, Landry dropped a first down. And who else was it in the second half? Was it Njoku? I don't know that I remember two of them. I definitely remember that Jarvis situation. But the um, other thing I'll say is that the Browns didn't really help themselves in the second half. I was okay with the conservative play calling. I think I've seen a lot of people um, have issue with in the second half. But we had a number of penalties. You know, I mentioned Baker Mayfield's intentional grounding. We had multiple holding calls on first down that put us behind the sticks. And it's pretty hard to keep chewing clock and play that sort of offense where you're just kind of matriculating the ball down the field, running the ball. Um, whenever you're behind the sticks like that, when you're looking at a, sitting at a first and 20, it's, it's pretty tough to, to execute. And so I, I think that was the problem more than anything um, in the second half. I thought they weren't calling holding anymore. It was frustrating. <laughs> and that was one of the things that pissed me off most in the game. We talked about our favorite moments from the game. My least favorite moments from the game were watching Miles Garrett get absolutely annihilated play molested. after play, yeah. molested in his face, and it not getting called. It's like I, I, I want more than anything for him to get the defensive player of the year. And... To see, I just want him to get as many sacks as possible. And to see him be abused and not have the flag go out, it just, I think he tweeted about it after. Just a little clip. He said, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did. And it's, it's a tough, and I put this in air quotes, it's not actually tough, but it's a unique situation being up by so many points going into the second half, uh, where what success looks like is very different than what success looks like like in the first half from a defensive standpoint. Um, I will say coming out of the half and giving up a three-play touchdown drive is is not success. That That's failure. We need to do better there. Uh, and then the Titans were able to follow that up with a, a six-play touchdown drive. We got to do better there. Like You you can play conservative and you can play, play loose, uh, but we, we've got to be a little tougher there i will say we responded better uh, on the next two drives forcing an interception and then a punt uh, ultimately to to give up another touchdown or two but uh we've got to be a little more stout in our conservative defense coming out of of the break with the big league yeah well i will say i think we won this game because kevin stefanski on sunday was a better coach than mike rabel was because our defensive secondary was in the second half also what our defensive secondary was in the first half. Like, that unit is not good. The, Tex or the Titans could have thrown all over us the entire game, but we chose to throw all over them the whole game and not just in one half. Like, I think, I think Kevin Stefanski outcoached Mike, Mike Rabel, and that's the reason why we won this game. And the players executed, but the Titans, even in the second half, they were trying to run the ball, which I respect. But I think yeah. ultimately the difference was our coaches. I mean, I don't think that if, you know, there's a decent chance now that we're going to face the Titans in the playoffs. I think if the season ended today, that would actually be our, our matchup. Um, us as the five seed, them as the four seed. 
And um, if that was the case, like it would be a tough game. Like I, I don't think that you, the Browns are thirty-eight to seven. Like that, that demonstrates like how much better we are than the Titans necessarily on this day. We, we took it to them and showed what we're capable of, but I feel like that was the outer limit of what, what we are capable of. And a, a rematch will certainly be interesting if and when it comes to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any other uh, defensive standouts that you guys want to talk about? Anything interesting? made some plays yesterday, which I, I hadn't seen from him before. He had a pass breakup or two. MJ Stewart. Like actually made a contribution, which is honestly more than I expected from MJ Stewart. Um, Well, he's been forced into action the last two weeks at um, slot. And I mean, he knocked a ball away yesterday and then obviously had, had that pick. Like you said, I mean, I'll take it. Not going to argue. I'd much rather have Kevin Johnson in there with our full complement of corners, but um, when he's got to come in, I, did Tavier Thomas get many snaps yesterday? Do you, do you know? I didn't see him out there. I didn't either off. because I think last week they switched off. They kind of shared the duties um, in the slot, and I don't know if that was like matchup based or or what. But um, they kind of split in the slot between Stewart and Tavier Thomas. But I don't think that was true yesterday. Tavier got four snaps. Yeah, to MJ Stewart's how many? MJ Stewart got 39. Yep. I think he got the majority of the work. Yes, he did. He did a great job. And then uh, I thought our defensive scheme was interesting. And I love to see our coaching staff kind of adapt um, and kind of break, break patterns. I mean, early in those first two drives against the Titans, you saw us rolling out five defensive linemen. Uh, it looked like Sheldon Richardson was playing defensive end, and then we had another defensive lineman standing up. Um, so, like, credit to Joe Woods, credit to the coaching staff, credit to some of those players who are, are being scheme, scheme versatile because Derrick Henry was not a factor in this game. And he's one of the more terrifying players in the NFL. One of the things that terrifies you when you play the Titans is – if Derrick Henry gets rolling and you let him beat you, like you've got no shot. So credit, credit to the coaching staff, credit to the players for uh, being adaptable and uh, rising to the occasion, whatever that meant in that moment. Uh, I'm looking at the PFF grades. Yep. Um, and Baker Mayfield on offense was our number one PFF grade. Who do you think our number two was? On offense? On offense. Kendall Lamb. Yep. <laughs> And I was just looking at it. I was like, that's hilarious. Obviously. I mean, I mean, he, he couldn't get... have executed any better. <laughs> so funny. Uh, yeah, I'm also looking at the snap counts. And uh, while I was watching the game, it felt like uh, Miles was was very much so on, on a pitch count. There was a ton of times when I was like, why isn't Miles in there? I guess it's because of COVID. He's not. But when you look at the actual snap counts like we were before the podcast, um, he played 52. Played 52 of the 72 total snaps. So, I don't know. Is that about average for him or a little bit low? Um, I think that's right about where they get him. He might normally take a few more than that, but not much. I mean, yeah, they... I think it's a little low, but it's honestly more than I expected. So, I'll take it. And he did look gassed at certain times in the game. It, it definitely felt like he was not um, at his peak fitness, I will say. Um, but I think that's to be expected given the circumstances um, sitting on his couch for two weeks. He was certainly affecting the game in a significant way. Um, I was super glad that we had him out there. Yeah. He was our, our third highest rated player. So he had a great game. Uh, had that one sack, um, made a lot of um, tackles in the run game and then should have drawn a bunch of holding penalties, but that did not prove to be the case. Yeah. Um, all right, what is the word? Have either of you guys heard about when um, Denzel Ward's going to be back? He's going to be back next week against the Ravens? It would be nice, wouldn't it? Um, he has a chance. Based on early injury reports, there was a chance that he could be back for this week against the Ravens. Uh, it helps that it's Monday night. 
obviously uh, it's an extra day. I at this point I'm not expecting to have Denzel Ward back against the Ravens, but we'll see. Hey, how do you guys feel about this game coming up against the Ravens? It's Monday night. We get a couple extra days. They're not playing till Tuesday night this week. Um, which is kind of weird. They're still going to be coming off all these different COVID cases. I mean, we were just talking about Miles Garrett being like gassed and winded coming out of all this. Like they've got a handful of players that have yeah. have COVID and are going to be probably a lot of them coming back. I would imagine for that game. I don't know that they're going to be out that many players because of COVID, but they're going to have a lot of guys coming back for the first time. I would think because is Lamar playing? Lamar's playing. Tomorrow, so it'll be his second game back to play against the Browns. Um, I mean, the Ravens just have not been playing that great recently. Yeah. Um, it, I'm just really interested to see how we match up. And, I mean, ev- I'm sure that the average NFL fan is going to be like, oh, well, the Ravens have the Browns number. But this isn't the same Browns team that played in week one. Like, the amount of practice time and – time to create some continuity amongst with this coaching staff and the team is like really night and day at this point in the season versus where we were heading into week one. Yeah. Well, it makes so much, it's makes so much of a bigger difference for the Browns than it does for the Ravens. Oh, being for weak, sure. You know, uh, being able to, to install that offense and, and know, know who each other are in the locker room. Uh, I love, I love that the Ravens are scrambling right now. And I mean, even from a schedule perspective, they're un- unsure of what's going on. They haven't been practicing. Like, like it's a great time to, to get the Ravens, even though they're, they're out of the COVID outbreak and they're going to be practicing all this week. It's, it's a short week. It's like, it's basically getting to play a team. They're playing on Thursday night. And you're not. Like that's, that's ideal. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it, you got to feel better about playing the Ravens right now than at any other point in the season with, I mean, they've dropped three straight games to the Patriots, then the Titans, then the Steelers. And, uh, like you mentioned that this is a totally different Browns team. I think this is a totally different Ravens team than we saw in week one. Like they have consistently, the Ravens never have looked as good as they did against the Browns on week one. Exactly. Week one was their absolute peak well, in this particular season. Well, then they beat, they like slaughtered the Texans week two. But other than that, I'm looking at their schedule right now. Other than that, they haven't really performed fantastically. Um, and so I, I think there's an element to don't let Lamar pass over the middle of the field, take out the middle of the field. If you do that, then he's not going to be able to throw the ball and contain him and, We've seen teams be able to do that. It's like nobody knew what to do with Lamar, but now all of a sudden the book is out and and people know. And so I hope that we can execute as well as other teams have to be able to limit um, what Mark Andrews can do um, and what they can do across the middle of the field because that seems to be the only place Lamar can reasonably put the ball. Um, it is so- Lamar. And... and- the Ravens have been hit by injuries. I mean, Ronnie Stanley's out. Their left tackle. Their offensive line is uh, is not what it was last year and even earlier in the season. Uh, they can't run the ball like they were. They, I mean, uh, Boyle, their tight end, is out for the year. They, they look like a different football team <clears throat> than they did last year and when we met them earlier in the year. Uh Plus, our coaching staff now has a has a data point. You know, they they were coming in having never played the Ravens, so that that's a tough tough ask at that point, and that that's different now in a a week. Uh, what is this week thirteen matchup? Thirteen, fourteen, one of the two. Yeah, we're nine and three, so that would be week thirteen, or it's week fourteen, I guess, or thirteenth yep. game. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel, I feel so much better about playing the Ravens this upcoming week than I did week one. I gave us about the same, like 1% chance to beat the Ravens week one. We all knew we were going to get slaughtered. We're not in that same boat. No, Um, I I just think it's interesting to look at it from, from then to now and see how much different it is. Oh, it's a totally different story. And it's great to see, I mean, 
it's been a conversation point throughout the entire season, like the lack of preparation and time that teams have had in the offseason that makes it harder for teams like the Browns with a new coach, um, new systems going into place on both sides of the ball. And we're still 9-3. and three. I mean, we're still 9-3. I mean, but it's so encouraging to see that they keep getting better. Like, with a, a good coaching staff, you would expect for the team to continually get better throughout the season. A coaching staff that, you know, isn't all that great, like – you'd have inconsistent results. But you are truly seeing a team that is rounding into form and getting better as the season gets goes along. And I didn't think yes. I'd ever see it from the Cleveland Browns, to be perfectly honest. And it's just, it feels it feels so good. Yes, if we beat the Ravens on Monday night, there is very legitimate reason for very real optimism for our chances to move forward in the playoff. Don't you agree? If we win two big time games back to back. Oh, for us to win a playoff game. Win a playoff game, have some chances to make it we're an ascending team, have well, some chances to win some playoff games, potentially make something happen, exactly like the Titans have, did. I don't think we have to beat the Ravens for that to, to be the case. I, I feel now if we show up and play our best game that um the Browns I don't think anybody wants to play the Browns. Is, we is had what to be we had to beat the Titans for that to be the case. Oh yeah. But, if, but we didn't just beat the Titans. Like we showed what our like what our peak looks like, and it I think woke some people up. Yeah, if we if we play like we did against the Titans, we can win a playoff game. Yes, I mean all of those teams that we have to play. Like let's assume the Chiefs now are gonna the Steelers just lost earlier um, tonight for their first loss. Let's assume the Chiefs are gonna get the top the top spot. All the rest of the six teams in the the playoffs, I mean, the Steelers are quite good, and they don't match up with us very well. Um, we don't match up against them very well, I should say. Um, but even still, I, I think we can beat the Steelers. Like, I don't think it's like a foregone conclusion that we're going to lose every time we play the Steelers. I mean, we already have beaten the Colts, and we have beaten the Titans. None of those other teams, I think, like, are – you know, teams that particularly scare me. Like I'm okay playing the Bills. I'm okay playing the Colts. I'm okay playing the Titans. Um, to your point, we've already beat beat the Titans and the Colts. So I, I think there's a great chance the Browns Browns could win a game almost regardless of who who the team is that we match up against. Yeah, I mean it's un, it's unlikely we're going to match up against the Chiefs. I mean, whether the Chiefs finish first or second in, in the playoffs, correct? We're finish fifth or sixth so uh depend sorry keep going it's turning out well yeah turning out well i i'm not scared of who we're gonna play and that's a a very foreign feeling to me at this point well it's interesting because you know who i am scared of i'm scared of playing the new york giants Hmm. they just beat the seahawks and here's here's a fear fantasy for you we lose to the ravens we lose to the giants and we lose to the steelers we're, we're 10 and 10 six. 6 and it's reasonable to assume that we don't make the playoffs at 10 and 6 with how strong this AFC is. Mm. All of the what did you say Matthew? We were talking earlier what the percentage chance that some of these um sites are giving the Browns it's like in the 95 plus range Pro- depending on where you look. Pro Football Focus has us at 97. I've seen others putting us at like 88. It's PFF now, uh, Matthew. It's no longer Pro Football Focus. Just PFF. Oh, sorry. Yeah. All these, all these. Get it uh, right. Entities. The Washington Football Team and PFF. My, my fault. Well, one of them's just an honest mistake. One of them's you're a racist. <laughs> so, it's like tread lightly. Um. I uh, no, but like that, that's that's reasonable. We could lose. We could lose to the Ravens. We already have. We could lose to the Steelers. We already have. And the Giants just beat the Seahawks. I mean, I I think we win one of those games. But sure. I mean, I we were saying we were sitting here last week on this podcast, and I think I said something to the effect of of those three particularly tough games: the Titans, the Ravens, and the Steelers. We have to win one of those games to feel good about getting in the playoffs. We I have guess, now done that. I guess there's no limit to what I need to feel good about being in the playoffs. Right. <laughs> right. The Browns are much better than the Giants as a football team. There's, like, no doubt. Yes, they have strung together a handful of wins, 
But if you've watched any of those games, it is not like they're like looking like a fantastic football team or anything like that. They are finding ways to win football games, but they do not look like a particularly put together. They're hustling team. Their I mean, defense, their defense is say, is pretty solid. Like Giants. Say that again. I said, for Pete's sake, Colt McCoy is playing quarterback for the Giants. And we love Colt like, McCoy. We've always loved Colt McCoy. Why are we scared of what Colt McCoy is going to do? Also, I, I, I think this week is going to be really informative to the playoff picture. Not only are the Browns playing the Ravens, but the Colts are playing the Raiders uh, for, for a battle right at that, that wild card cut. Yeah, and, um, and it's true. The Raiders also still play the Dolphins. That'll be that'll be a significant development, and and things will become much more clear. Where uh, from where we're sitting right now, ten and six might look tenuous. After this week, ten and six might look really, really safe, depending on how things fall out. Oh yeah, well we're beating the Jets. The Jets are I mean, gonna. It seems like they're just handing people games left and right. Because the Jags still only have one win. I mean. That might have been the best Hail Mary that the Jets ever gave up. That's what everybody's been talking about today. If I was a Jets fan, I'd be glad it happened. It's the difference between Trevor Lawrence and Jake Fields. It's a big difference. And this is the difference between the Jets going 0-16 and the Browns. The Ohio State fans are going to be all over you. That is true, man. (laughs) What did I say? Jake. Ah, Hate to see it. Jake Fields. The the, uh, the Browns 0-16 and the Jets 0-16 right now. Like The Jets have true 0-16 competition in the Jags for that number one pick. Like Jets have to keep losing or else they're going to see ground in the Jags and lose that number one pick. I mean, there's nothing worse than going 1-15 and not even having the first pick. Is that the reason why they haven't fired Adam Gase yet? Is because they are insistent on continuing to lose games? I don't see any reason why you'd fire him. Doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. If you're the GM, unless you want to be the person who gets to decide who your quarter like head coach is and have the first pick. I don't know. If I was a Jets fan, that's what I would want. Let them continue to lose. Oh and sixteen, join the fraternity brothers. Who would you hire instead of Adam Gase? To lose games for you. Hugh. <laughs> they hire Hugh as their interim head coach for the rest of the year. <laughs> the NFL would not him at that point. <laughs> Have you guys? And lit- Hugh wouldn't say no either. That's the best part no, about it. He'd be there. He'd be there. He would honestly say yes, thinking he had a shot at the full time job. <laughs> I. Uh... I listened to somebody had Hugh Jackson on to their radio show and I was listening to it and he just sounded so happy and something about me, like it made me upset. I was like, how could you be this happy? How could you be this chipper? And like, honestly, good for him. I'm glad he, I'm glad he sounds happy. I hope he actually is. But there was a evil part of me that was like, you should be sad. You're a bad football coach. Browns bring me to dark places. Um, I do want to talk about the the Steelers. So the Steelers just lost on Monday Night Football. The Steelers' remaining games that they have to play, they have to play the Indianapolis Colts. They have to play the Buffalo Bills. They have to play the Cincinnati Bengals and the Cleveland Browns. It's not unreasonable to think that they could lose any of those games besides the Cincinnati. Bengals. Yeah. And if they lose three of those four games, there'd be a, a meteoric collapse and we could win the division. We are now sitting in December. Today is Monday, December 7th. And there is still a possibility for the Browns to win the AFC North. Yeah. Oh, and in a normal year, nine and three, you're like leading or tied for tied for the lead. This is a very abnormal thing. The Steelers have never had a start to the finish like they have had or a start to the year like they've had this year. And the Colts are a good team. The Bills are a good team. Those are playoff teams right now. And the Browns are a good team. And then they have their final four games are against playoff teams. Yep. Right? I mean I think I think we'd all be surprised if those three teams didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, if the it's either the Colts or yeah. And now that we beat the Titans, the Colts have a lot to play for. The Colts um, have a chance to to win that division, and that that mat that's going to matter a lot. Um, it could be interesting. We did look up before the podcast started what the um, tiebreakers are in case you know they didn't lose all those games, and then they had only lost one, and then we beat them in week seventeen, and so we have the same record. So in that scenario, we a dream scenario where the Browns run the table. And then we beat and and we beat the Steelers in week seventeen. We'd be tied at thirteen and three. And the tiebreaker is um, win loss record against the conference. And so, uh, unfortunately, that means the Steelers would would get the get the nod according to the tiebreaker because um, they just lost the one game they've lost was actually to an NFC team, not a not an AFC team. <laughs> to a worse team, <laughs> a team the Browns beat. Yeah, but that's okay. That is okay. Um, we'll just hope for the Colts and the Bills. It would be fun. And how sad is it? Which that... is it? Go ahead, Matthew. No, both of those teams can win. I mean, I'm I'm interested to watch those games against the Steelers, the Colts and the Bills. Definitely be, be good. Yeah, I'm interested to really see who the Steelers are. I mean, they squeak by the Ravens. I mean, we know that they're good, but they have had so many tight games. Like squeaked by the Cowboys, uh, squeaked by the Titans, squeaked by the Eagles. Well, and part of squeaked by the Texans. I mean, the Broncos—they barely beat the Broncos. The reason that they've been so good this year is their defense has been dominant. Yes, but as the season has gone on, they've sustained some pretty significant injuries to their defense. In the Browns game, they lost their best linebacker. Well, they play like a three four so i guess tj watts their best linebacker um but and then just last week they lost bud dupree mm-hmm. and so they do not have the same depth and opportunity to dominate on defense that they that they've had or in the earlier parts of the season and they really like just truly owned people um because of how great their defense was and i just don't think they have that same caliber now due to some of the injuries that they've had that they've sustained like all teams do um but they were just truly playing at an elite level that is not very sustainable throughout the season particularly when you some guys get nicked up yeah and especially on that front seven which was what was the most devastating part of that defense yep yep they're gettable <laughs> who was it that tweeted something was did you say miles garrett tweeted something like open the window or something yeah Steelers like might have uh might have opened opened the door or something like that. That's what he tweeted right after the Steelers lost. That's hilarious. I guess we are talking about it. I hope it's not untrue. I hope that they're thinking that way. Yeah, oh, it would be beautiful if if the Ravens, if the Browns beat the Ravens and the Steelers lose to the Bills next week. It is gonna be full on FC North watch. Yep, around here. Yeah, yep. for sure. That will be. I mean, for that to happen, the Browns have currently won four games in a row, I believe. Um, that would that would mean we'd finish the season on an eight-game win streak. That'd be awesome. It would be awesome. That's what um, you're looking for, doesn't, right? Doesn't seem likely, uh, but it's anything's possible. Tis true. Tis true. All right. Well, let's pick the lines of the game this week, specifically the Ravens game. Um, Ravens versus Browns on Monday night. It is super exciting. Um, so sad that an important game at the end of the season in Cleveland can't be packed. We're gonna with Cleveland Browns fans. We're gonna save that one for last. Yeah, we'll pick it. We'll it's, pick it last. But. It's too good. Uh, but it is one of the three we'll pick. Um, as always, we pick that Browns game. The first game though, Thursday night, and I will let's give a recap of where where things stand because Mark, I'm coming for you. I'm only two games behind, and then Matthew, you're two games behind me. Cool. A few weeks to go, you're going down. Do you, do you see? Do I look? Do I sound worried? Going down. Mm. You haven't won it any other years. I'm not looking to give up the crown this year either. Mm. Okay. Okay. Patriots at the Rams. Rams are favored by six. The Patriots just beat the Chargers 45 to zero. That they did. Rams looked pretty good this week. Matthew, who do you have in this game? 
This is an interesting rematch from that Super Bowl two years ago or three years ago. I don't know. Time is irrelevant these days. Uh, I'm going to take New England. I, I like Bill Belichick at least covering this. I don't know who's going to win this game, but I think it's going to be a close game. Bill Belichick's going to have a, a – it's going to be a fascinating coaching matchup between Sean McVay and Bill Belichick, a couple of coaches who've gone against each other, kind of strength on strength. We'll see who can, who can come out on top. But six feels like a lot. Mark? I, too, am going to take New England. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just a ridiculous performance by uh, Bill Belichick. I respect him as uh, a head coach, and him against Sean McVay is going to be a lot of fun. Um, but I think this, like Bill Belichick's teams always do, they are ascending at the right time, and I think they're just going to continually win games. Not that they need to, not that they're going to get in the playoffs, but just because that's what Bill Belichick does. He wins football games. I'm going to pick the Rams. Fair. I mean, Sean McVay's um, amongst the group of elite coaches in the NFL, in my perspective. Um, and he was pretty embarrassed in that Super Bowl you spoke of from two seasons ago, Matthew, uh, by Bill Belichick. And I don't think that – I think this game has probably been circled on his calendar for a long time. And not only is he going to put his best foot forward in this game – but I think they just have a much more talented team than the than the Patriots do. Oh, that's absolutely true. <laughs> and so, like when you combine those two <laughs> things, like I just I I definitely see the the cover being well within um, the possibilities here. And so, even though they're getting six points, I'm still feel okay going with the Rams. And the next game is the Pittsburgh Steelers playing the Buffalo Bills on Sunday night. The game that we just were talking about. It'll be fun to be able to watch this. It will be fun. And we'll have a pick on the line. Yeah. I'll, I'll go ahead and say that I am going to pick the Buffalo Bills, not only to cover the, what, one and a half points. It's basically basically a pick em, but I'm going to pick the Bills. I think they're going to win. All right, Matthew, what do you got? Keeping it interesting. Matthew? Did we lose Matthew? Hello. Sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Zoom, Zoom issues, 2020. Uh, I'm going to take the Bills. I, I I just don't believe in Pittsburgh right now. Like, they're – I think for a lot of the reasons Michael stated earlier, their defense is, uh, has been taking some blows. Uh, the Bill, Bills are a tough team. I'll, I'll take them and put the pressure on Michael to pick somebody else. Pittsburgh's favored by one and a half. Don't you want to make up that ground, brother? Just talked all that smack. You were going to beat me. Now's your chance. I'll take Pittsburgh. I really am okay with it. Um, they're not going to want to lose another one. And, I mean, it's so hard. I mean, in norm a normal season, I would say, oh, it's at Buffalo. Like, I feel like I like that a lot more. I just don't know how much that matters this season. Um, it's a one-and-a-half point line. Who do I think is going to win? I think it's a toss-up between the, the Steelers and the Bills. Um, I'm just as comfortable going with Pittsburgh as I am going with Buffalo. So I'm, I might as well take advantage of the chance to get a little up on you. Which brings us to the Monday night showdown. We've played Monday night in a while, it feels like. We probably had one last year, but it seems like... I remember the Thursday night games more. Yes. Baltimore Ravens, favored by one, heading to Cleveland to play Ooh. the Browns. Oh! We're going back home. We haven't played a home game in a little bit. Only favored by one. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're still not favored to win, but I'm excited about it. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm picking the Browns to win this particular game. Um, just the trajectory of both of these teams and where things are going. I will say the downside of that is the Browns put everything into this last game and um, might not show up, but I don't see that being the way this team is wired. It's not this team's problem. Plus, um, it's a division game. I don't think it takes much to get up for a division game. Um, Browns are going to be hungry to prove that they aren't any worse than the Ravens and can beat them after what, what happened in week one. I think uh, they, they've, they, even though we proved the doubters wrong this week against the Titans, there's still a lot more to prove um, oh, amongst yeah. our division rivals and – um, that's one of the best things about the Browns is like, no matter what we do, we're still going to have so much to prove always. 
<laughs> yeah. So let's go Browns. I got I got the Browns in this one. Uh, Matthew, are you picking the Browns? You're picking the Ravens? <laughs> it's basically a pickup. Uh, got to pick the Browns. I think there's enough guys on this team who've been around for, for two or three years and are have been hungry for this moment and know what this means. They're not going to let this. They're not going to let this game slip past uh, and come out flat. They'll be ready. I am excited that it's a home game for us too. Yeah, me too. I wish first energy could be packed a Monday night game. Um, I'm going to pick the Browns as well. We are going to win. Woo! Let's go. 10 and 3. That's like good. the least of <laughs> There's no chance either of us picked anything other than the Browns in this game. Oh, yeah. no. That'd be miserable. A terrible Cleveland Browns football podcast move. Yeah. Um, we've been doing it all season long, picking the Browns, picking the Browns, picking the Browns. And, and, and for the first time ever, they're coming through for us. Yeah, no, that's the reason why our our numbers are above 500 right now is because we pick the Browns every week. Every year we do terrible in this and we're like, oh, we should never actually bet on sports. But the only reason why this is different is because the Browns are actually winning. Oh, it's hilarious. All right, well, very excited for next week. We will possibly record Monday night after the game. Um, possibly not. It seems like a reasonable thing to do. It's nice to record it fresh. You'll either get a real happy group of Coon Brothers or a really pissed set of Coon Brothers. And a nice 20-minute pod and finish and go home. Um, Well, look for that next week. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We appreciate each and every one of you. If you uh, appreciate us and you like this podcast, we would love for you to tell a friend about it. Um, That helps our podcast grow and reach more listeners. That way we can get new and awesome sponsors like Barbasol, the brand America trusts for a close, clean, comfortable shave, um, now has razors. And if you listen to our podcast enough, we could get another awesome sponsor like that. That was special, and I miss it. Um, But all that to say, go Browns. Go Browns. (laughs) 